Amen. Awesome. So we're, uh, we get to, to chapter 12 now uh, of the book of Revelation, and really we're entering now, uh, we're entering now, we come to a new section in our study of the Great Tribulation. Again, we're, we're looking at, we're in the portion of the, of the book of Revelation now where we're looking at the second half of the seven-year tribulation period, so the three and a half years. And so we're coming into a new section, actually, of the study of the Great Tribulation. And we see that from chapters 12 through 14 of Revelation. Uh, it, it describes for us the main characters or the main figures of the Great Tribulation, which is the Antichrist, uh, the beast, the false prophet. And so we see that chapter 12 begins by describing for us the first of six signs, uh, beginning with the woman. We're, we're going to see the description of, of, of the sign of the woman, which represents the nation of Israel, uh, the sign of a dragon, which represents Satan, the sign of uh, the woman's child, which represents the Messiah, Jesus, uh, the sign of, of the woman's offspring, uh, which represents those who, who come to faith in Jesus throughout the great tribulation period. We're going to see the sign of, of the beast that comes out of the sea, which is uh, descriptive of, of the Antichrist. And then we're going to see the sign of, of the beast that comes out of the earth, separate beast which is the false prophet who, who promotes the Antichrist. So just some very interesting stuff coming up in chapters 12 to 14. We're probably only going to do 12 today, but, but just some, some just good, good, good stuff coming up. And so verse 1 of chapter 12 starts off by saying, Now a great sign appeared in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet, and on her head a garland or a crown of 12 stars. And verse 2 says, Then being with child, she cried out in labor and in pain to give birth. We'll stop right there. And so John begins his, his description now of what he sees in heaven by saying, I saw a great sign appear in heaven. Now, this phrase, great sign in the Greek, is, is, is the word uh, megas semion. It, it, it's literally a mega sign. If you could put mega with all capitalized words, a mega sign. So John sees something huge. I mean, not so much in size, but I mean, in, in, in the importance of the content, he, he sees something huge. He sees, he sees a mega sign. Now, important to note that, that, that a sign is used to point to something else, right? The sign itself is not the main attraction, but the sign points to something else, right? We go, we, we say we put a sign out sometimes from the church and someone drives by, they see the sign pointing to the church this way. The sign is not the church, but the, the sign is pointing to the church, and so these signs that we're about to read, uh, read about in the book of Revelation, specifically in these, in these chapters, they're not, uh, the, the, the main focus is in the sign itself, but what they're pointing to. And so when we see that, uh, and, you know, it's important to know that, that as we see this, as we see this phrase used throughout the book of Revelation and, and throughout the whole Bible, you know, these signs, these signs that are pointing to something else. Because this is going to be key for interpreting some of the many descriptions given to us in the book of Revelation. Now, the Bible should be taken literal when it comes to the study of the Bible, your reading of the Bible, teaching of the Bible, listening to the Bible. Uh, but when you approach the Bible, it should be taken literal unless otherwise noted. For example, we have the, the, the parables of Jesus there in the Gospels. Oftentimes, Jesus spoke in parables, you know, which is a story to tell a truth. And so, obviously, when we, when we read the parables, we know that they're not to be taken literal, but they're, they're pointing to something else. Right? We have many uh, different just descriptive language that shouldn't be taken literal. Like, for example, in the book of Revelation, it's, we're going to see very, various things described. And, and, and we're told right away that they're signs. 
So we know that, that we aren't to take these things literally, but we're to get the, the, the truth application from those signs, and we're to, we're to, to, to apply that. And so uh, we see that this phrase, great sign, uh, or, or that, that mega semion in the Greek, this phrase, great sign, will also be used to describe the deceptive miracles performed by the Antichrist. Later on in the book of Revelation, we see that phrase used to describe the deceptive miracles performed by the Antichrist in Revelation 13, 13, and Revelation uh, 16, 14, and Revelation 19, 20. Use that phrase, mega sign, to describe things that the Antichrist is doing. Now, we get to now the first sign that John sees, which he says, I saw a woman clothed with the sun. And he says, uh, she had the moon at her feet and a crown of, of 12 stars. Right away, I mean, you could picture in your, in your mind, right? As I'm reading it, I could, I could picture it in my mind this huge, you know, I, I picture something like the Statue of Liberty just with a crown like that and right in the sun and the, and the moon, something like that, right? But if we see that it's a sign. It's pointing to something else. Now, the woman clothed with the sun, and we see that as John is receiving these visions of heaven and, and he's seeing these, these insights into, into what's going to take place on earth, during the seven-year tribulation period, we see that, that, that a woman appears clothed with the sun, with the moon uh, under her feet, and on her head a garland or, or, or a crown of 12 stars. Now, many have wondered, you know, who this woman represents. There's a lot of speculation. I've heard a lot of different teachings on this, you know, things that I used to believe because I heard it from someone else. Um, so there's been a lot of just a speculation about, about, and questions about who this woman is. Uh, I don't know if you're familiar with, with, uh, with Mary Baker Eddy, and the, and the Church of Christian Science, which is neither scientific or Christian. They're just, um, they're just really out there. They're, they're a cult, really. But, but Mary Baker Eddy, the founder of this cult known as, as the Christian Science, uh, the Church of Christian Science, she claimed that this, that this chapter, chapter 12, that when it talks about this woman, that it was, it was referring to her. She, she claimed that she was the woman of chapter 12 of the book of Revelation, that she was the woman that was clothed with the, with the sun and the moon and the stars on her head. Um, obviously that was false. Uh, some have suggested that the woman represents the church, the Christian church. Uh, others have, have suggested that, that, that the woman here represents the Virgin Mary. But we see that really her identity is given to us in the Old Testament, in the book of Genesis. And, and, and as I've said it many times from the pulpit, you know, and I'll say it till Christ comes back, the best commentary for the Old Testament is the New Testament. And the best commentary for the New Testament is the Old Testament. And, and that is just such an, I'm just fascinated by that. Because again, with, I, I keep on hearing it nowadays, you know, I run into, uh, you know, people who, who are believers and, and, you know, who never studied the Old Testament or who are encouraged to stay away from the Old Testament and, and, and who are taught that the Old Testament is not relevant for us as New Testament believers, that us as Christians, that we have no place in the Old Testament because those things are past and we shouldn't even, uh, even uh, uh, dig into it. You know, and I see that, that, that that's just false. Right? We, we here at Calvary Chapel, we study the whole counsel of God's Word from the very first page to the very last. Old Testament, New Testament. Right? All 39 books of the Old Testament, all 27 books of the New Testament. And we see the importance of studying the whole Bible, of taking it as a whole. Why? Because Paul said in 2, Corinthians, 2 Timothy 3.16 that all Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for proof, for doctrine, for correction, for reproof that the man of God or woman of God, that the person of God may be Complete, lacking nothing, right? We see when, when Jesus was here on earth, what did he teach from? He taught from the Old Testament. When Paul was establishing churches all over Asia Minor, what did he teach them? He taught them the Old Testament. 
when Peter and, and the rest of the disciples were going around, you know, planting these churches and making, and making disciples, what did they teach? They taught the Old Testament, right? And so important uh, to know specifically in the book of Revelation, the book of Revelation makes more than, uh, uh, so around 80% of the references it makes to, to the prophetic, they're found in the Old Testament. And so we, we, we have a, a, some insight about who this woman is in the Old Testament in a book, uh, a book called Genesis, and, and it's the story of Joseph. If you guys were with us on Wednesday nights when we went through the whole uh, uh, book of Genesis, you remember the story of Joseph. Joseph was the youngest of, of 12 brothers. Uh, he was uh, the, the, the son of Jacob. His mother was Rachel. And uh, Jacob, I mean, uh, Joseph was a favorite of his dad. His, that was the, his dad's favorite, man. The rest of the older brothers would go work, and Joseph stayed at home, you know, he, and, and his dad made him like, kind of like the manager of all his brothers. He would tell him, hey, go see how your brothers are doing. Right, that was getting into trouble, so just go check up on him. His brothers hated him because of that, because he was his dad's favorite, right? And, and he was just this honest, kind of just head in the clouds kid, you know, just innocent. He was just, he loved his dad, loved God. It was the dude was just righteous, but his brothers hated him for that. And we see later on, they, didn't, they ended up uh, uh, selling him into slavery to Egypt, right? The first, the first mention of human trafficking in the Bible. And so uh, Joseph was also a dreamer of dreams, and we're told that he had the gift of interpreting dreams. And so he had a dream one day, and this is the dream. It tells us here in Genesis 37, uh, verses 9 through 11, it says, Then Joseph dreamed still another dream and told it to his brothers and said, Look, I've dreamed another dream. And this time the sun and the moon, the 11 stars bowed to me. So he told it to his father and his brothers, and his father rebuked them. And he said to him, he said, What is this dream that you have dreamed? Shall your mother and I and your brothers indeed come to bow down to the earth before you? And his brothers envied him, but his, brother, but his father kept the matter in mind. And so we see that Joseph had his dream. And in his dream, he saw the sun and the moon and, the, and 11 stars bowing down to him. We saw that, 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 that this dream was a prophetic dream, and it kind of had a, 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 twofold, a twofold purpose or a twofold fulfillment. Uh, one, it would be fulfilled when, when, when Joseph was sold to slavery, and later on, he would become the governor of Egypt, the second in command, the second most powerful man in the whole world. And all the nations of the, of the world would come to Joseph because he was in charge of distributing the food. And then eventually, his brothers and his dad would come also to him. And they would, they would bow down at him you know, because they, they didn't recognize him. They thought he was just some powerful Egyptian. And so that dream would be fulfilled there. But we see that in Joseph's dream, the stars represented his siblings. So 11 stars with Joseph being the 12th star that we read about here in Revelation. And we see that the moon and the sun represented his father, uh, uh, Jacob, and his mother, Rachel. And so the woman described here in, in Revelation 12 is a nation of Israel. The 12 stars are the 12 tribes of Israel. And now we see that the woman, we're told, that the woman being with child cries out in labor and in pain to give birth. Now, Having established that, that, that this woman here in, in Revelation 12 is, is, is uh, symbolic of Israel, represents Israel, uh, we, we see that we know that, that the child she, she gave birth to is the Messiah, Jesus. And so the, the, the Bible has give, given us this, this description of a woman to describe the nation of Israel, right, and the, her child to describe you know, uh, uh, the Messiah whom, whom came from the nation of Israel. And so we see that, that she cries out, in pain, you know, speaking about the anguish that Israel went through to bring forth the Messiah. I mean, uh, to, to bring forth Jesus Christ safely into the world. And I say that because ever since 
the first promise of a redeemer, ever since the first promise of a savior given us there uh, in Genesis 3.15, ever since the very first promise uh, that, 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 that God gave to Eve, you know, after they had sinned in the garden and they were kicked out, and God told them, all right, like she said, he, he, he gave them a promise. He said, your seed, you know, uh, the, is, he's going to crush the head of the serpent, and the serpent is going to bruise his heel. And so that was the very first prophecy of the Messiah, the very first prophecy of the, of the Savior, the very first prophecy of Jesus. And we see that ever since the very first promise of this Redeemer, back in Genesis, Satan has attacked the nation of Israel. And, we're, and even during the birth of Jesus, if you're familiar with the story uh, when King Herod found out that, that the king of the Jews was born in Israel, what did he do, if you're familiar with the story? He ordered the mass murdering of all the male children in Israel under two years old. It tells us that there in Matthew 2.16, 2, it says, Then Herod, when he saw that he was deceived by the wise men, was exceedingly angry, and, and he set forth and put to death all the male children who were in Bethlehem and, and in all its districts, from two years old and under, according to the time which he had determined from the wise men. And so when it says that, 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 that this woman, uh, the nation of Israel, uh, cried out in labor pains, again, speaking about the anguish that Israel as a nation had to go through in order to bring forth the Messiah. Right? And as we're studying the Old Testament, we've seen him already. Uh, as we study Daniel, we see him uh, in captivity in Babylon. We're in Exodus right now. We've seen him in captivity in, in, in Egypt. Uh, they were in, in captivity uh, to, to, to the Assyrians. We're, they were in captivity to Rome. And it's like time after time after time, the world has kind of tried to, to extinguish Israel as a nation. And we see that really there's a, this like, demonic uh, 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 inspiration behind all this. Why? Because the, the Messiah, Jesus Christ, was to be born from the nation of Israel. Right? And so we see now, uh, so continuing on there in verse 3, it says, And another sign appeared in heaven. Behold, a great fiery red dragon having seven heads and ten horns and seven uh, diadems on his heads or, or crowns. His tail drew a third of the stars of heaven and threw them to the, to the earth. And the dragon stood before the woman who was ready to give birth to devour her child as soon as it was born. She bore a male, a male child who was to rule all nations with a rod of iron and her child was caught up to God and his throne. Then the woman fled into the wilderness where she, where she has a place prepared by God that they should feed her there 1,260 days. And so we see now another sign. And the first sign was out of the woman uh, with, 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 uh, with child, right? speaking of the nation of Israel. But we, we we're given now another sign, this great fiery red dragon. And so we see that this dragon appears 13 times in the book of Revelation, uh, speaking about Satan, 13 times, eight times in this chapter, uh, three times in the next chapter. Uh, we see him once in chapter 16 and one more in, in chapter 20. And so again, this is, this is a sign describing Satan. It's not that, 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 that Satan literally looks like a, a great fiery red dragon, but, but, but the, the dragon represents the nature and character of Satan. And I say this because we have all watched movies and, and, and TV shows and seen you know, uh, depictions or illustrations of, what, of Satan or what he's supposed to look like, right? And they always depict him as this big, huge monster creature. Um, I don't know if you guys ever seen the movie uh, Tenacious D. And I, don't know, I used to watch that movie all the time because uh, of the music. 
And then uh, they show Satan as this huge, you know, just buff, red, you know, uh, just monster, right? And, and for the most part, that's how we look at Satan, right? A lot of old school uh, 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 um, album covers, you know, depict him in that way. But in reality, we see that he's nothing like that. Uh, the, the book of Isaiah, actually, in Isaiah chapter 14, I believe it is, it tells us that, that, that when all the nations later on, when they see, when they see Satan, everyone's going to look at him and say, man, is this the guy? This is the guy who's been causing all this trouble this whole time. This is the one who, who, who stirred up nation. This is the one who stirred up all these war. This is the guy, right? Because when we look at him, he's, he's not going to be anything really to, 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 be, to, to admire or to, or, or to really you know, trip out about. Because he's just going to be just this. He, remember, he's an angel. He's a fallen angel, right? He's not this huge red dragon or, or monster with a red tail and horns and all these things. That's just what the world and what kind of Hollywood and TV depicts him as. But that's not him, Right? And, but again, uh, John sees, him, sees a sign of this great fiery red dragon speaking about the nature and character of Satan, right? Talking about the bloodshed and the death caused by Satan. Jesus would say about Satan, that said that about Satan there in John 8, 44, uh, speaking to the religious leaders, he would tell them, you are of your father, the devil, and, and the desires of your father you want to do. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own resources, for he is a liar, and he's the father of lies. And so we see that, that, that this dragon, Satan, he's described as having seven heads, ten horns, and seven diadems, or seven crowns on his head. Again, speaking of, of the power and the authority that he will have over the nations in the last days. Right? If you were with us as we studied through the book of Daniel on, on Wednesday nights, uh, we saw how, 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 how God gave Daniel this vision of, of this last world-governing empire, which would be a, a revived Roman empire, right? If you guys remember the, 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 the vision of Nebuchadnezzar, he had uh, a vision of a statue, and, and each part of the statue was made up of different metal, representing a different world-governing empire. And the, the, the last part of the statue was, was uh, the feet made out of part iron and part clay. Its legs, its legs were made out of clay, representing the, the, the Roman empire. And then we're told that, that the last empire would be part clay and part iron, meaning part Roman Empire and part human empire. And so, uh, really, we see that this empire has yet to come on the scene, but it's, it's going to be the last world-governing empire. It's going to be the empire of the Antichrist. It's going to be a revived Roman Empire. Interesting that, that when you look at, 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 the, at the different empires of the world, uh, each and every world-governing empire was defeated. It was conquered by someone else. But Rome was never conquered by anybody. It just got so big that it pretty much started kind of collapsing upon itself, right? And, and it kind of was defeated from within. But no one ever, ever conquered it. And so it's, going to be, it's believed that there's going to be a, this revived Roman Empire uh, in the last days, having the, the Antichrist as its ruler. And so it says that, that this dragon had seven heads and ten horns, with seven crowns on each one of his heads. And so we'll go deeper into that when we get to chapter 13 and 14. But going on, uh, we see that John describes for us the original rebellion of Satan. The, the, the original rebellion of Satan. It says that, he, that his tail drew a third of the stars of heaven and threw them to the earth. And the dragon stood before the woman who was ready to give birth to devour her child as soon as it was born. And so, and so uh, John gives to us insight into the original rebellion of Satan. And John, in his vision, we see that in his vision of this great fiery dragon, he takes us back to Satan's original sin, his, his original rebellion against God, and he gives to us the effect that it had on the rest of the angels there in heaven. Now, 
The prophet Isaiah there in Isaiah 14 gives us even more detail into this. And he says this, Isaiah 14, 12 says, How you are fallen from the heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning. How you are cut down to the ground, you who weaken the nations. For you have said in your heart, I will ascend to heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will also sit on the mount of the congregation, on the farthest sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the most high. Yet you shall be brought down to Sheol, meaning the place of death, to the lowest depths of the pit, which is the, the lake of fire eventually, right? His final destination. And so we have the five I wills of Satan that, 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 that got him kicked out of heaven, right? The five wills says, I will, I will, I will, I will, I will exalt myself. I will sit on the mount. I will ascend above the heights. I will be like the most high God, right? And so that was Satan's original sin. And so the Bible teaches us that, that, that Satan, before he was Satan, Right before he was Lucifer, this, what we know him as the devil, he was an angel. He was an angel. Uh, we're told that, 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 um, that he was an angel in heaven, that he stood before the throne of God. Right? But one day it entered into his heart that he wanted to be like God. He wanted to be above God. He wanted to be worshipped as God. And so along with his rebellion, uh, Reve- Revelation tells us that, that, one, that he caused one-third of the angels to rebel against God as well. And so they were kicked out of heaven also. Now that's heavy because... Sometimes, you know, us as Christians, we think, man, I don't need to be in the Word all the time. I don't need to be fellowshipping at a church, right? I believe in God. That should be enough, right? I don't need to go to church. I don't need a fellowship. I don't need accountability. I don't need to have a personal devotion time. I don't whatever, right? And I start to think, man, if Satan was able to deceive one-third of the angels in heaven that stand before God's glory 24-7, who saw God create the heavens and the earth, who saw pretty much creation come about, and, and if Satan was able to deceive one-third of those angels, I think, man, what, what makes me think that, 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 that my little puny mind could stand a chance against his deception, right? He's been doing this way longer than us, right? He's been deceiving and lying and, 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 and messing with people's heads way longer than, than humanity even, you know? And so it's important. That's why I see the importance of just of being in the Word, of being in a, in a Bible-teaching church, of being, you know, in fellowship, of being accountable, really you know just just abiding in the lord and so again we're told that that it's that that uh these this one-third of the angels were also were also cast out also joined satan and it's what we know today as demons that's what demons are demons are fallen angels that's what that's what they are and ever since they've been they, they were they've been fallen they've been making war against god's people ever since ever since they've been falling they've been making war against god's people actually paul tells us there in Ephesians 6, 12, Paul tells us that, that, that our war is against them. Our battle is against those guys. It's not against each other. It's not against politicians. It's not against, you know, but it really, it's against spiritual forces, demons. Paul tells us in, in Ephesians 6, 12, he says, For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, he says, but against evil rulers and authorities in the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Now, it's important to note that, that Satan and his demons are created beings. You know, they're created beings who rebelled against their creator. They are not as powerful as God, right? <laughs> I, seen, I don't know if you guys seen this funny picture of, of, of Satan and Jesus arm wrestling like this, right? And it's like, uh, all right, like, who's going to win, right? This battle be, between good and evil. But, but really, uh, the chasm, the, 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 the space between the power of God and of Satan is... Uh, it's a gap, you know, it's an infinite gap. There, I mean, Satan doesn't even come close to, 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 to the power of God. Why? Because Satan is a created being. It's not that 
the forces of good and evil butting heads against each other and see who's going to win. No, God is, man, way out in another galaxy. Satan's like way down here, right? He's a created being. He's not the creator. He doesn't have the same power as God. Now, Colossians 2.15, I love this verse. It actually tells us about, 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 uh, about how Jesus defeated Satan. And it says this in Colossians 2.15. It says, Jesus, having disarmed principalities and powers, he made a public spectacle of them, his triumphing over them in the cross. Amazing, right? And so we see now Satan's attempt to devour the child. And we see that, that this actually describes uh, Satan's plot to kill the Messiah from the very beginning of the promise. Right? We see, we're told that, that, the, that the dragon was ready to devour the, 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 the child as soon as it was born. Again, speaking about Satan's plot to devour the Messiah as, as, as soon as he was born. Right? Because uh, we're told that, that, uh, that the woman bore a male child, which is Jesus Christ, right? because it was from the nation of Israel. Uh, specifically through a woman named Mary of the tribe of Judah, that the Messiah came forth, right? And so we see that the child was caught up to God, but the woman was left and fled into the wilderness for protection for 1,260 days, which if we do the math, and uh, in, uh, in, as far as the Jewish calendar, the Jewish calendar, calendar which goes off of a 360-day year, uh, 1,260 days is three and a half years. So we know that this is speaking specifically about the second half of that seven-year tribulation period, three and a half years according to the Jewish calendar. Now, John tells us that this attack on the nation of Israel will continue even throughout the tribulation period, right? It's not going to stop at the tribulation, but it's going to continue throughout the whole tribulation period. And, and all throughout history, really. I mean, all throughout history, we've seen the nation of Israel attacked, right? And we see, we've seen attempts to destroy it. But we see that even in the last days, God will protect them. Even in the last days, he's going to protect them. And so, I say to say this, that, that, that God still has a, play, uh, a plan for the nation of Israel. Right? There are many who, who, who teach from a pulpit what's known as replacement theology. Now, they may not tell you exactly that that's what they're teaching, but when you listen to their, to their sermons and stuff, and, and, and you see where they're coming from, and you see that, man, this is what they're teaching. Replacement theology, which teaches that the church, the Christian church, has now taken the place of spiritual Israel in the Bible, and that, and, and, that, and that all those promises that belong to Israel as a nation, not as believers, but as a nation, now apply to the church, to the Christian church. And that God is done with the nation of Israel, that they had their chance, they, 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 they rejected God, they rejected their Messiah, so God is done with them, and now he's, he's operating through the church, and, and now the church is, is spiritual Israel. That's known as, as, known as uh, replacement theology. There's a lot of good, uh, well-known teachers, well-known pastors who are on TV and stuff that teach replacement theology. And it's demonic. It really, it's, it's, it's satanic in origin because it's a direct attack against the nation of Israel. And we see that, that, that the scriptures tell us that God still has a plan for the nation of Israel, even throughout the tribulation period. Right? If, I mean, the, you want to ask somebody about that? The best person to ask is the Apostle Paul. He has something to say about this there in Romans 11.1. 1. He says, I say then, has God cast away his people? And then he answers it. He says, no way. He says, certainly not. For I also am an Israelite of the seed of Abraham, of the tribe of Benjamin. And so we see that the Apostle Paul puts it out clear for you. He says, hey, God's not done with them yet. He says, if he, if he was, then I wouldn't be saved. Paul talking, you know, he says, he says I'm, I'm, I'm of the tribe of Benjamin, right? I'm an Israelite. And so we see that today, again, God is not done with the nation of Israel. And the church is not Israel, right? The church is a church. The church is a Christian church. We're the body of Christ. But we're not spiritual Israel. And so... 
And going on, uh, continuing in verse 7, it says, And war broke out in heaven. It says, Michael and his, arch- and his angels fought with the dragon, and the dragon and his angels fought, but they did not prevail. Nor was a place found for them in heaven any longer. So the great dragon was cast out, that serpent of old called the devil and Satan, who deceived the whole world. He was cast to the earth, and his angels were cast out with them. Then I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ have come. For the accuser of our, be- of our brethren, who accused them before our God day and night, has been cast down. And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. And they did not love their lives to the death. Therefore rejoice, O heavens, and you who dwell on, the- on them. Woe to the inhabitants of the earth and the sea. For the devil has come down to you, having great wrath, because he knows that his time is short. Now, heavy. And so we read now, Satan cast out. And so John, as he's getting this vision in heaven, right, uh, he sees, he sees a, a, a war break out. He sees a battle break out. And so we're told that Michael and his angels fought with the dragon. And the dragon and his angels fought with Michael and his angels. So this is a battle of, of angels. The Bible tells us that Michael is an archangel. Uh, and, uh, and so this is really kind of like an accurate, like, all right, this is like a, a, a good match, right? Angels versus angels. They're, they're like on the same uh, level playing field, right? They're both created beings. They're both angels. It's not like uh, later on we're going to see another battle between Satan and all the armies of the world and all the kings of the world against the Lord, against Jesus and all the saints, right? And that's going to be like, man, he's, Jesus is going to wipe him out right away. But we see that, that in this battle, we see that in this battle it's angels versus his demons. That's what it is. It's like the stuff movies are made of, man. Angels versus demons, a straight-up battle in heaven. And so we see that this is a war in heaven that was initiated by, Mar- by, by Michael, the archangel. When you read it in the Greek, it says, when it says a war broke out in heaven and Michael and his angels fought, it, it, the, the implication is that, is that Michael is the one who, 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 who started it all. You know, uh, Michael, the archangel, and his angels are the, are the ones who, who, who kind of called out Satan and the demons. All right, man, let's do it. Let's battle. Right? So that's, that's the implication in the Greek. And so we see that. This is a war that, that occurs halfway through the tribulation period. This is a war that, that occurs halfway through the tribulation period. Now, there's going to be another war, there's going to be another battle that takes place known as the Battle of Armageddon, which is in, in Revelation chapter 19. Uh, and, and that battle will be against the Lord, and we see that Jesus is going to crush Satan and all satanic and demonic uh, forces that come with them. And that's going to, man, that's going to be amazing. But this battle specifically takes place during the, half, uh, uh, the, the halfway point to the tribulation period. And so we see that the angel Lucifer, Satan, and his fallen angels were, were defeated in the war in heaven by Michael and his angels. And notice what it says. It says, that, it says that they did not prevail, for they were not strong enough to remain in heaven any longer. And so we see that Satan and his demons were cast out of heaven meaning that they no longer had access to the throne of God. And it might be saying that you might be thinking, man, what do you mean? Do you mean that Satan could go up to God right now? Yeah, he can. Satan and his demons right now, they have access to the heavens, to, to the throne of God, right? That's what, that's what the Bible tells us in, in the book of Job. In the book of Job, if you're familiar with the book of Job, it starts off in chapter 1 by this conversation between God and Satan. And, and we're told that, 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 that Satan goes up to the throne of God and God says, what do you want, Satan? Where, where, where are you coming from? Are you been roaming around the world or what? And Satan says, yeah. 
And God says, oh, I noticed you've taken, you've looked at my, at my servant Job, that he's a righteous man, faultless, right? And Satan says, yeah, man, but you only, he's only loyal to you because you bless him with so much. And they have a whole conversation, but we, uh, the point being that, that, that Satan has access to the throne of God. And so he goes up to talk to God right at his throne. And so up until this day, up until right now, uh, Satan has access to the throne of God. And Satan could go up and down, you know, and go talk to God and come back down and, and, and do whatever he's doing here on the earth along with his demons. But we see that there's going to be a day, specifically this day right here that we're reading about, where that's it, man. He's going to be cut off, him and all the demons. You know what? Access denied. He's not going to be able to go up anymore, right? He's going to be uh, uh, limited strictly to the earth. And that's when all hell is going to break loose here on earth. And so we see uh, that, 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 again, I mean, he has access, but it's going to be cut off. And so you may ask, well, what does Satan want to be in heaven for? Right? If God's in heaven, if all the Christians are in heaven, all these angels are in heaven, right? if Jesus is in heaven, what, is Satan, what, I mean, what's, what business does Satan have in heaven? What business do, all, do, do the demonic forces have in heaven? Right? Why, why do they even want to go there? Well, verse 10 tells us. It says, verse 10 says that Satan accuses the believers day and night before God. And so Satan goes before the throne of God, right? He, he goes, him being Satan goes before the holy presence of God for one thing, and that's to accuse you and me before God. That's heavy. That's heavy that you and I have Satan accusing, accusing us before the throne of God. That's heavy. Now, Satan is described here as the accuser of the brethren, right? Notice what it says there again in verse 10. It says, and the power of our Christ have come for the accuser of our brethren who accused them before our God day and night has been cast down. And so here, Satan is given the title of the accuser of the brethren. And really, that's one of his character traits in, 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 which, in which he operates the most today. The accuser. That's one of his character traits. Character traits, I would say, in which he operates the most. Yeah, father of lies, yeah, destroyer, yeah, all these things. But more than anything, the accuser, specifically to the believers, right? He can't touch our lives, so what does he do? He'll mess with your head. He'll start putting all these things in your head. He'll start accusing you before God, but to yourself as well. Satan, we see that, 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 that Satan loves to accuse us uh, of our past. He'll accuse you of your flaws. He'll accuse you of your mistakes. He'll whisper in your ear all the things that you've done wrong, and he'll remind you, you know, of, of, of your past, and he'll remind you of your past mistakes. He'll try to convince you that you're not good enough and that you're undeserving of God's love, that you're undeserving of God's mercy, that you're undeserving of God's forgiveness, that you have no right to come before God, that, that you're undeserving of this new life, that you're undeserving of salvation, that there's no way that God can save a person like you, that there's no way God can take your mess and do anything with it, that there's no way that God can redeem anything in your life, that there's no way that it's too late for you. And man, that he is. That's him all day long, all day long, all day long. He's the accuser of the brethren, right? Again, he'll try to convince you of these things, He'll try to convince you, and, and he won't stop. He's relentless. He doesn't fight fair. He's a guy who, when someone's down, he begins kicking him when he's down. He doesn't fight fair, right? He doesn't say, all right, man, they're hurt enough. He's hurt enough. She's hurt enough. Uh, I'll, I'll come back another time when they're good. I'll come. No. As when you're at your lowest point, man, he hits even stronger, right? I've experienced it. I have. I don't know if you have, but I have. And so we see that, that, that Jesus calls Satan the father of lies. And so all those things that, that you hear in your mind, hey, it's coming from the Father of lies. It's not coming from the Lord. 
The Bible tells us there in, in John chapter 3, Jesus says, I didn't come to condemn the world, but that the world of me might be saved. And so if you're feeling condemned, if you're feeling accused, if you're feeling like all your dirt's being brought up, it's not Jesus, it's not the Lord, right? It's Satan. It's Satan who's, bring, who's bringing those things up. His, 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 main, you know, his, main, his main focus, his main you know, uh, character trait right now is the accuser of the brethren. And but knows what it says. It says, and they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. And so the question comes up, how can you combat the lies of Satan in your life? How can, when I'm being accused and when I, I feel the accusation heavy on my heart and heavy on my mind and heavy on my life to the point of despair, right, where I'm thinking, man, Lord, what's the point of even walking with you? What's the point of going to church? What's the point of fellowshipping? What's the point in doing this outreach? What's the point in continuing? When, 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 you're, when you're accused to the point of desperation, how can I combat the lies of Satan in my life? It says it right there. It says that they overcame by what? By the blood of the Lamb. By the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their, toast, of their testimony. It's the blood of Jesus. It's the blood of Jesus that overcomes the lies of Satan in our lives, in our minds, and our hearts. Right? The blood of Jesus. Those, those accusations mean, mean nothing against us. He's going to accuse us day and night, but those accusations mean nothing against us because Jesus has already paid the penalty for the sins that we deserve. And it's like sometimes we hear Satan, you know, and, and our thoughts. And I don't know, I've never heard a real uh, audible voice, but I, you know, it's like my thoughts are working against me, you know. And I know that Satan is stirring it all up, and I'm thinking this, this, that, 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 and the other, right? Man, how are you going to go up there and teach? How are you going to go up there and come out on Facebook? Someone's going to see you. They're going to send a message saying, "Man, that guy shouldn't be a pastor because this is that and the other," right? I'm thinking, man, one of these days it's going to come, right? Because of all the, the my ugly past, and it's like I send Satan just accusing me, accusing me, accusing me. And you get to the point where you're like, man, you know what? All those accusations, like I'm actually worse than <laughs> I'm actually worse than, than what Satan's accusing me of. But that's not the point. The point is that is that I'm now made righteous through the blood of Jesus Christ. All right? And, and it's the blood of Jesus that combats the lies of Satan in, in those times of, of, of accusation to the point of desperation. Right? It's it, it's the blood of the Lamb. Now, Satan will have you be ignorant of the freedom that there is in experiencing the forgiveness of God through Jesus Christ. Satan would love to have you ignorant of that. Satan would love to keep you from that. So if you say, all right, go to church, do this, do that, whatever, but don't experience true forgiveness through the blood of Jesus Christ. Don't be born again. Don't experience freedom of, 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 of just being set free from all guilt and shame. Don't experience that. He'll let you go to church. He'll let you do your little thing as long as you don't experience that, that full freedom that there is and just trusting Christ for your salvation because of what he did on the cross, right? But it's the blood of the Lamb that speaks of the judgment that Christ bore on our behalf. It's important to always preach the blood of the Lamb. Preach it to yourself. It's the blood of the Lamb has washed me. The blood of the Lamb has cleansed me. I'm driving sometimes and I'm praying, Lord, wash me, cleanse me with your blood. Lord, it's your blood that, that washes me. Lord, it's your blood that makes me new. Lord, it's your blood that, makes, that gives me a new life, right? That blood of the Lamb. Now, again, it speaks to us of the righteousness made available to us through, through, through this embracing of that free gift of God, that forgiveness of sins through Jesus Christ. And so he says, therefore rejoice, in verse 12, therefore rejoice. Satan is accusing the brethren day and night before God, uh, the overcame by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony, therefore rejoice. And, and, and knowing that truth, it should cause us to rejoice. It, it should cause this, this joy to just sprout out in our hearts, just to spring in our hearts. 
right? Knowing that, that to know that God the Father is offering forgiveness through His Son. If I receive it, He wipes everything away, right? Everything I've ever done, and now He sees me as righteous. And there's true joy in that. There's true cause for joy in that. So He says, therefore, rejoice, O heavens, and you who dwell in them. And so, going on, it says, there on that last verse, verse 12, it says, Therefore rejoice, O heavens, and you who dwell in them. Woe to the inhabitants of the earth and the sea, for the devil has come down to you, having great wrath, because he knows that, it, that he has a short time. That's heavy. Satan knows. He's not dumb. He knows. But his mind is just so corrupted with lies and, 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 and deception that he truly believes that he can still overthrow God. He's actually going to try it in chapter 19. He's going to be defeated and eventually thrown into a lake of fire for all eternity where he's going to burn. Right? But he, his mind is just so corrupted, it's just so rotten right, with lies and deception and, and all these things that he truly believes that he can, that he can win. But, but he does know that his time is short, that he has a short time. Therefore, he knows that he has a short time. Satan is fighting hard. Satan is fighting hard. He's fighting hard, and, and things are going to get bad, and they're going to get dark, and they're going to get worse, specifically in this last period of the tribulation. Right? They're going to get hard. Uh, not so much because, because he's so powerful that he's going to do all these things, but because he knows that he, his, his time is coming to an end. So he's going all out, right? He's like, a, he's like a wounded animal that fights harder to survive, even though it knows it, it doesn't stand a chance. I follow this page on Instagram. It's called like a bloody nature or violent nature, something like that. And, and it's all about just uh, nature. You know, it's about animals and their natural habitat. And then specifically, it shows like very gruesome uh, videos of, of animals hunting, stuff like that, you know, I, I, I get a kick out of that, I don't know why, but, but they, they, they show, so I was watching a video the other day of a, of a pack of lions in Africa, and they're, and they're attacking this, uh, this, this zebra, sorry, it's kind of gra- like graphic, but, so they're attacking the zebra, and, uh, and, and it's like five of them, and they're attacking the zebra, and the zebra's guts are all hanging out, but he's still running around, and he's like charging at the, at the lions, he's charging them for like 10 seconds, and he's going hard, and you think, like, man, the zebra's going to beat these lines up. He's going hard, but then eventually he just drops dead, right? And, and it's like, that's how I see Satan when I read this. He knows that his time is short, so he's going all out, but his time is going to come to an end, right? Just like that zebra, he knew his time was short. He tried to do something at the, you know, like one last thrust, and all right, maybe I could do this. But it's like, you look at the video, and like, man, no way, this guy's going to, uh, half his guts are on the floor right now. He's going to die, he's going to drop dead. Right? And, and, and that's how Satan is, that he's, again, he, he knows that his time is short, he knows what's, what's coming to him, but yet, and it is rotten, you know, uh, deceptive, just a, a, a lying mind, he thinks that he can still win, so he's coming hard. I mean, I haven't lived, I haven't lived that long, you know, but I've spoken to people who are way older than me, and they say, hey, man, I've never seen times like this before, right? I don't remember ever, ever being this dark. I don't remember it, you know, sin being just so open and so freely embraced like it is today. Right? And so we see, and we see that it's gonna get worse, but it's because Satan knows that he has a short time. And so it's like there was always that light at the end of the tunnel, right? And when things seem the darkest, you know, all right, because there's light coming. There's light coming. Right? I remember where a couple, a couple Saturdays ago we went on a men's hike up in Azusa, uh, Azusa Canyons, and we went through this tunnel. It's this long, long, long tunnel. And um it's super dark. You get to one point where like, you can see that little light at the end of the tunnel. It looks like this big. And you're walking and walking. You're just like, man, it's so dark. I could even see uh, uh, Mike walking next to me and Danny. Like, man, dude, I could just hear you, but I can't see you. 
But all we could see is that little light. And as we got closer, we got closer. It got bigger and bigger and bigger until eventually, hey, man, we got to the end and there was everyone else. But, and, and that's how it seems like right now. It's like darkness, 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 but we got that tunnel vision, right? And that's why I pray for it. Lord, give me tunnel vision so I could just see you at the end of the light and not get distracted by the darkness. Because we know that in the midst of so much darkness, hey, there's a light, there's a light at the end. And that's what we're, what we're aiming towards. And that's what's coming, actually. And so it goes on to say there, verse 13, now the woman persecuted. It says, now when the dragon saw that he had been cast to the earth, he persecuted the woman who gave birth to the male child. But the woman was given two wings of a great eagle that she might fly into the wilderness to her place where she is nourished for a time and a times and a half times from the presence of the serpent. And so we're told that, 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 that Satan, he's going to realize that, that, all right, man, I got kicked out of heaven, man, that's it. And, and so in, in, a, in a kind of vengeful way, you know, he's going to continue to attack the woman who gave birth to a child, meaning he's going to continue to attack the nation of Israel. But we see that, that, that God has plans for the nation of Israel in the last day, that he's going he's gonna to call them out to the wilderness and tells us in the book of Isaiah. We don't know exactly where, but we know that God has a place prepared for, those, for the nation of Israel specifically you know, in the last days where they're going to be able to trust in him uh, 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 and, and by faith, and God's going to take them to, lead them to, to a place where they're going to be kept right during that time. And so we're told that, again, that, that she was given two wings of a great eagle. Again, it's not a literal lady with, with a crown and, and wings, but again, it just talks about the, the speedy, uh, the speedy uh, 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 help that they're going to receive from God. Right? And notice that it says that she's going to be nourished there in that place for a time, a times, and a half time. A time meaning one year, a times meaning two years, and a half time, so half of a year, so two, three, three and a half years. Right? Again, speaking of that half portion of that seven-year tribulation period. Number 15 says... So the serpent spewed water out of its mouth like a flood after the woman that he might cause her to be carried away by the flood. But the earth helped the woman and the earth opened its mouth and swallowed up the flood which the dragon had spewed out out of its mouth. And the dragon was enraged with the woman and he went to make war with the rest of her offspring who keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus Christ. And so we're told that Satan in, uh, in, in his rage to, to, try to, to try to destroy the nation of Israel He's going, to cause this, this, he's going to cause this flood to come upon the nation. Uh, but we're told that God is going to somehow open up the earth. I'm thinking like something like a Grand Canyon type of thing, right? And the water is going to be carried away into the earth. We don't know exactly what that looks like. Many have suggested that it's a place called Petra. Um, we really don't know. We really don't know where it is, but we know that it's a secluded place that God has specifically uh, set apart for the nation of Israel. And so we're told that after the dragon... He was enraged with the woman when he saw that, 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 that the earth swallowed the, the water. He couldn't get to them. And so what do you do? Instead of chasing the nation of Israel, now he goes after the rest of the believers during the tribulation period. Says he went to make war with the rest of her offspring who keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus Christ. Now, notice that, that when, it, when it says the rest of her offspring, it's not specifically Jews, but it's talking about all believers who are going to be there in that second portion of the tribulation period. Why? Because she had one. She had one son that was. She gave birth to one child that was the Messiah. But we're also told that she has offspring, right? And so that offspring is, is the spiritual believers, us, the Christians, the believers in Jesus, but specifically those in the in the in the tribulation period. If you guys remember the, the promise that was given to Abraham there in the book of Genesis, way way back, the very first promise when 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 God told him that through his lineage, you know, uh, the Messiah was going to come. He told him through your seed, all the nations of the earth 
will be blessed. Right? Now, we know that all the nations aren't Jews, and we're not Israelites, so, so obviously it's not, a, it's not a, talking about hereditary thing, right? It's not, it's not a, like a, a, so we're not directly related, but it's the spiritual offspring. Paul later tells in the book of, in the book of Galatians that, that, all, that not all those who are, who, who are Israelites are, are true Israel, but really those who believe you know, in the fulfillment of that promise given to Abraham, which is the giving of Jesus Christ for the salvation of mankind, that those have become now you know, the, the spiritual ch- children of Abraham. And so we now have become the spiritual children of, of, of the woman of the nation of Israel. Why? Because we, our Savior is Jewish. And Jesus was a Jew. He was born through the nation of Israel. Right? God chose the nation of Israel to give birth to the Messiah. He could have chosen any other nation, but he chose them. Right? And so we become now the, the spiritual offspring of, of the nation of Israel. And so we're told that, the, that, the, that Satan was, was going to make war against the rest of the offspring, I mean against the rest of the believers who keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus Christ. That's heavy. Because through all, all this chaos going on in the world during that second part of the tribulation period, there's still going to be some, some of those who didn't believe God, so they weren't taken up in the rapture. But through everything that happened, they believed God to the point of trusting Him with their whole life, and they endured the plagues and all the things that had come upon the earth, even to the point of death, right? And that's heavy. That's heavy. That's heavy. But, but we, so we see that, again, just God's mercy is still going to be extended even in the last days to save as many as whosoever will call out on his name. Amen? Amen. We'll stop right there, and we'll pick it up in uh, the next chapter, in chapter 13 next week. I was going to do the, the beginning of it, but I want to save it for next week. I want to start fresh. I hope you were blessed. And, with that, take encouragement. I pray that you, that you would be encouraged, you know, specifically in that, in that area of, of what spoke out to me is uh, that accusing. Right? Because I think all of us have, have experienced that at one point or another, whether we attribute it to Satan or our own thoughts or, or our own past, you know, it's the enemy. So I want to encourage you guys this morning, uh, if you have been feeling like that, to give it up to the Lord. As I, as, as I pray for you guys and, and as we pray for each other, uh, I want to pray that you would just, uh, I, I want to encourage you that you would just give up those accusations that have kind of been lingering. Hey, give them up to the Lord. Give them up to the Lord, and, 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 uh, and I pray that, that you would just embrace the blood of Jesus Christ upon your life this morning. Amen? Amen. Amen. Father God, I want to, Lord, I want to lift up.